Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's such a pleasure today to be with somebody who is really renowned and well-respected and known for incredible environmental work for, for decades, really. Linda Kropp, Chief Counsel for the Environmental Defense Center. Thank you for taking time to, to talk with me about a few issues today. First off, how are you doing today? Well, good morning. Thank you for having me, Josh. It's great to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, we go back a long time and I've been a reporter for a number of years. So it's nice to be able to talk again and talk about some issues, um, environmental issues. But before we go there, I want to just sort of lead off with a very sad situation that happened um, just a couple of days ago. We lost Carmen Ramirez, who was a pivotal key player in Ventura County politics, in Oxnard politics, who really had a profound impact on a lot of people in the community. And she died tragically in a in an accident, uh, and I want in a, in a car accident. And uh, everybody's mourning that. Everybody's trying to understand that and grieving right now. And it's a very sad situation. She was uh, the first Latina elected to the Ventura County Board of Supervisors, among a whole bunch of other accolades. And Linda, I wanted to talk to you just to get a sense of how well you knew Carmen and what sort of impact she had. How did you intersect with her environmentally in, in sort of the really important issues that we all deal with here on the Central Coast. Well, thank you for acknowledging Carmen and honoring her this morning. Um, we are reeling and we're in shock. Um, I knew Carmen quite well over the years. Um, she was a fierce champion um, for environmental issues, but really for any issue that affected her community. Um, you know, she was from Oxnard. She came from the grassroots. She started her career in legal services. So helping you know, the underprivileged, those in need. Um, that's actually how I first met her. We were both in legal services. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I started working at the Environmental Defense Center, um, at some point she started um, her affiliation with CAUSE in Ventura County. And so we worked very closely to uh, protect Ormond Beach and to uh, defeat a proposed liquefied natural gas project off of Oxnard. And I mean, that was your quintessential environmental justice, David versus Goliath story. The proponent was BHP Billiton, the largest mining company in the world. They wanted to build the first ever floating liquefied natural gas facility off the West Coast, and they targeted Oxnard because they thought mm. Oxnard would not be able to stand up. And Carmen and other leaders in Oxnard partnered with EDC and other environmental groups, and we defeated the project. It was just, it was a, a massive victory, and Carmen was one of the leaders in that effort, and that inspired her to run for the city council. And so she went for city council and then recently for the board of supervisors was the chair of the board. But the thing about Carmen was you never had to, you know, you never had to work hard to get her support. Mm -hmm. You always knew she was there for you. You know, if you called her up and like, you know, this is happening, you know, she'd be like, okay, what do you need? Where, when, you know, 
Do you want me to show up in person? Do you want me to call someone? Do you want me to write a letter? Do you want me to get a resolution? You know, she was just there. Uh, it was in her, you know, her conviction, her heart, but she was also just incredibly smart and incredibly well-connected as you've seen over the last couple of days. I mean, everybody is missing her, you know, bipartisan accolades. Um, she was, you know, she was a, she had a lot of integrity. Um, you know, she would talk to anybody. Um, she tried to find common ground, but you know, everybody knew she really cared. Yeah, that's really uh, important that that you acknowledge and say that she was somebody who you could you could count on consistently. Because as you know, as a as I, me as a journalist, I know, and as you as somebody who deals and interacts and interfaces with these uh, electeds, uh, it's sometimes tough, right? Sometimes you 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 have to sort of work out a deal with them or they want to negotiate or they want to ask you sort of, well, if I do this, you know, does this mean you're going to support me down the road? Is this going to help me? And the behind the scenes stuff that happens so often with electeds choosing to go in a certain direction with a policy issue, it sounds like Harmon was somebody who was consistently there as an environmental justice advocate and that that must mean a lot to you as an organization to be able to to count on that to know where the yeah. votes are as opposed to wait do i have to really question whether this is an issue and i think that's important what you what you um what you talked about is these companies a lot of times they will target communities that they feel don't have the activist base or the political base to to stand up to them. And so it's always refreshing to hear that there is a, a leader who is willing to organize and to not lose sight of their activist roots once they get into office and be able to to do that. So, so um, you know, I, I really appreciate you saying that. What do you think uh, Carmen Ramirez's uh, legacy is going to be? Clearly, she's a champion uh, in many ways. Uh, but when you think about her and her overall impacts, what do you think her, her legacy is going to be and future leaders looking at her and say, how can I accomplish some of those same same uh, feats? Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just talking with someone this weekend and we were talking about how she's irreplaceable. Um, you know, no one comes to mind you know, immediately. What I hope is that she will inspire other activists to run for office. You know, she never intended to run for office. And through her activism, she saw the importance of where decisions were made and wanted to be on the dais and wanted to help make those decisions. And I hope her path will give confidence to other activists as well that you can run for office and you can succeed and you can, you know, give other people a voice from where you sit. Um, you know, it's just, it's so, it's been so surreal to me because a week ago, Sunday, Carmen just spoke here in Santa Barbara at the memorial service for our executive director, Owen Bailey, another just right. amazing environmental activist and, you know, I just saw her speak at Owens Memorial, and then less than a week later, 
Um, you know, she, we tragically lose Carmen, but um, you know, I'm really glad I saw her a week ago. And you know, she was just her usual vibrant, positive self. And so I hope I hope she inspires others. You know, people who wouldn't necessarily think of this path. Yeah, we've lost two real heroes um, in the environmental community with Owen Bailey recently as well. And um, I appreciate you mentioning that. And I think, you know, a lot of people might think Carmen was a Ventura County person. But if you think about everything that has happened since Friday, since she passed away, in terms of all of that social media support, there's so many in Santa Barbara County and regional people who have come out and said said that she interacted with them and she was influential and she was important. And so it's really a testament to her her regional presence. And again, you summed it up, which is inspiration. Others can see what she did and say, maybe I can try to do something like that as well. Let's move on and talk about some environmental issues. Uh, Linda, um, you are so knowledgeable about these, and I'll just be honest with the audience is, you know, you you know these things a lot better than most people, all people, definitely me. So uh, forgive me if in the framing of my questions here, it's not scientifically perfect, but um, we recently saw Exxon uh, file a lawsuit against Santa Barbara County after the Santa Barbara County Board of Supervisors voted that they could not restart trucking in the county. And so this was sort of an effort to, to, to uh, I believe it was three trucks, San, the San Inez unit. And we know that there are great environmental concerns with our use of fossil fuels and oil, but trucking them along our streets and the dangers and the potentials for that um, are many. And so now Exxon is saying, uh, wait a minute, you know, we have this right to do this. You made this a political issue. You made this sort of this uh, <clears throat> symbolic battle against climate change, and we're going to take this to court. So can you talk about what's going on with Exxon and what's at stake here and, and what's ahead in terms of th this challenge? Sure. So um, Exxon operates three platforms off of El Capitan and the Santa Barbara Channel, and they were shut down in 2015 when the plane's pipeline ruptured. So the oil comes on shore, it's processed in Las Flores Canyon, and then it was transported by pipeline to refineries outside the county. That's required by both local regulation and state law. So with the pipeline shut down, Exxon sought permission to truck the oil until a new pipeline is built or for seven years. So no pipeline has been built. Um, but Exxon does not have a right to produce its oil. That right was tied to pipeline transportation. And, and I was here back when that battle happened. Um, and Exxon at that time, you know, wanted, that time um, we had marine terminals along the coast and they wanted to tanker or barge the oil. And um, the county said, absolutely not. Um, you know, you can only build your facility if you promise to use pipelines because they are the safest mode of transportation um, and you don't have the same you know, air pollution concerns as other modes. So Exxon's right to produce is tied specifically to transporting its oil out of the county by pipeline. And there is no new pipeline. So the county was absolutely correct in holding them to that requirement. Um, 
So Exxon has sued the county and the Environmental Defense Center will be filing a motion to intervene in that case on behalf of the county. Um, we're talking to various environmental groups who are involved in the battle, but it's really important because it's it's about restarting the platforms, but it's it's also about public safety. Um, you know, there would be 140 truck trips a day, 70 round trips, so 70 carrying the oil, 70 returning um, along 101, and then going up that, you know, windy, windy Gaviota Pass and tunnel where there's been a lot of accidents. Um, and then going out 130, uh, sorry, then going out 166 all the way to Pentland and Kern County. And so we did our own research um, regarding truck oil truck accidents on those two highways. And the county's analysis said, you know, that it was unlikely to have any accidents during the period of this project. Well, we found six accidents in the last six years. Um, including, you may recall that accident on uh, 166 in March of 2020, where that oil tanker truck crashed and spilled almost 6,000 gallons of oil into the Cuyama River. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's such a dangerous road. So um, we were able to convince the county to deny the project, and we are going to help the county defend its action. And what's um, what would you say to those who say... Uh, this is, uh, we all still rely on, on this sort, sort of fuel. We all need it. And so we have to just manage it well. We have to manage it safely. And we're thinking worst case scenarios and accidents. You mentioned them, but, but the amount of good that it's going to do people in terms of their energy needs, local energy supply. How would you sort of respond to that? Because we know that that comes up. You know, people will say, the counter per perspective is we need local supplies of this oil and why don't we just do this? It seems to be the safest way if we, if we manage it. I have a couple of responses to that. First of all, we don't know where the oil goes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like the oil is staying here. Mm -hmm. um, the oil is transported to refineries. It's blended with other oil and who knows where it goes. Um, so it's not like we're creating a local energy supply. The second uh, response is it's a very, very, very small amount of oil, um, especially what was proposed for this project. So, you know, it it would not be noticeable um, if this oil, I mean, we've been without it since 2015 and no one has noticed. So um, it's a very small amount of oil versus the tremendous impact and risk. And that's what the county decided. You know, they weighed the potential benefits against the risks and the impacts. And they said it doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't outweigh those risks and impacts. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, uh, that's going to be a, a lot of news coming there quickly. Is Exxon the only organization that's trying to truck oil in, in Santa Barbara County? Um, are there other companies who are doing this sort of same thing or trying to do the same thing? Well, what we learned um, was that as a part of this process, we learned that at the actually at the end of this year, Phillips is going to shut down one of its pipeline networks that runs out of Santa Maria. And so we found that out a couple of years ago. And so we immediately asked the county um, what that impact might have, you know, another pipeline being shut down. And you know, the county didn't have any answers. Well, we just learned that there are three companies now 
in addition to Exxon that have um, are going to be submitting applications or have submitted applications to truck oil, Sentinel, Freeport MacMoran, and PCEC. Um, so there's three more companies now proposing to truck oil on our roads, and that's really scary. Okay, so uh, a lot of fights, environmental fights uh, coming up here, and EDCs right there on the front line, um, sort of protecting you know our coastline. So um, it's great work that that, that you do. Let's uh, let's just talk about one thing in, in the context of alternative energy. Um, I know that you you're an organization that is is not just Santa Barbara. I believe you're also involved with. Um, issues, you know, obviously throughout the state, San Luis Obispo County. Recently, the California Coastal Commission said that uh, Morro Bay could uh, move forward with um, surveys that gather data as it relates to wind energy. And I wanted to talk to you just, you know, a couple of minutes about wind energy and whether that's a something viable that Morro Bay should be pursuing. There are concerns, of course, that if you have some turbines out there, that uh, it's going to disrupt uh, the ocean and sea life. And what does that mean for the trade-offs, those pros and cons and that balance that you know we're always trying to pursue? But what's going on with that issue and what is the EDC's sort of position on that? You're absolutely right. It's all about trade-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So we've been working on the issue of examining potential for wind offshore California for about six years now. Um, Both the state and federal governments have been, the various agencies have been planning and conducting studies and talking with um, community organizations and industry. And um, there's a multi-phase process where industry has expressed some interest Uh, One of the challenges with wind offshore California is we have such deep waters. So the wind turbines here will actually be floating. Mm -hmm. They won't be anchored because the water is so deep. So there's been a a lot to look at and um, there's been a lot of studies done. So where we are now after several years of looking at this is we do think there's potential offshore Morro Bay. in terms of avoiding, you know, or at least reducing environmental impacts as much as possible, what we've learned is the further offshore, the better. Um, about 20 miles offshore is ideal. And so through this extensive planning process, the site that has been chosen for Morro Bay is pretty far offshore. It is 20 plus miles offshore. Um, it would be adjacent to the proposed Chumash Heritage National Marine Sanctuary but would not overlap with it, which is good. So we can, we want the sanctuary, we want offshore wind. Um, The important thing is we want offshore wind to be sited and designed in a way to minimize environmental impacts. So we continue to work on that process. It'll probably take another couple of years to get through all the environmental review and the actual leasing and design phases, but we are very involved in that and want to make sure that it's done in the right way. Yeah. But it's a it's a positive. It's an exciting opportunity um, once you figure out how to make it work. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that's been our approach, you know, looking at wind, looking at solar is, um, you know, being very supportive and wanting to make sure everything is planned and designed appropriately so it doesn't backfire. You know, so we don't have, you know, it's back to those trade offs you were talking about. Um, So we want to make sure it's done in the right way. Okay. 
Great, Linda. I appreciate you taking time to talk about these issues. And uh, quite honestly, it's a good reminder that I should be uh, checking in with you more regularly because uh, there's so much that you do and uh, everybody's sort of interested in the work that this community is doing environmentally. And you you there with the Environmental Defense Center is right at the core. So I appreciate you taking time and uh, talking about Carmen Ramirez and uh and, um, you know, be, be, best to you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Linda. Thank you very much, Josh. Take care.